We're talking Apex Expert Leagues, Rotoviz apps, and much, much more in this week's edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hey everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by my co-host here, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, how you doing, my man? Excellent, we have a, a great show today, I'm going to be discussing the Apex Experts Draft, which, if you don't know, is a tremendous format that Mike Brody has put together and includes some features like player trading and weekly double headers so you know if you want to play in a medium stakes format that still allows you to make trades which obviously is one of the most fun parts of fantasy football then this is for you yeah and if you've been following uh you know on twitter a lot of the great followers i guess we'll call them on twitter evan selva yourself uh, matt Harmon, matt kelly josh herrensmeyer lord reeb cd carter sigmund bloom this league is uh, absolutely stacked and they've been tweeting out so we could follow along so i've been following along uh, the last couple of days and i'm excited to pick your brain now and get your thoughts on how the draft has gone because it's been fascinating so we're going to be looking at as you mentioned the apex leagues we're also going to be looking at how we can use some of the apps on rotoviz uh, by mr dave Cabin to be able to you know break down what we should be doing during the drafts and help us along the way so it's gonna be a very interesting show and i'm looking forward as we move through it here uh, later on the show as well i'll be teasing it now uh, there is two opportunities this week for you to win those ffpc 35 dollar entries so i'll be letting you know about them a little bit later in the show but up on the website up on rotaviz.com you have mentioned uh, how the draft has gone kind of through round one through five and that's what we're gonna be focusing on here the draft is now uh, kind of eight or nine rounds in but uh that will be the second part of the article coming later in the week but uh, with the draft and you know you mentioned in that in the article that you've used the draft dashboard on rotavis.com did you factor it in uh, a lot while making the decisions and you know somebody who's as experienced as you with drafting do you find that the tool uh, is still a massive bonus i do i do and uh, you know one of the things that i like to do is do enough drafts and enough leagues and uh, enough real drafts so that you know when you get to late august early september and you're doing those high stakes drafts that you know you can you can do two three uh, you know even four drafts at a time because you know exactly what you want to do uh, but during the preparation having as much information especially good information targeted information that helps you with those decisions uh, that's a great way to prepare and so Dave and I talked about the draft dashboard on Rotoviz Radio a couple of weeks ago and went through a mock draft. But one of the things we mentioned is that you can also use the tool uh, to help you in a real draft. And, and that's what I did for this draft or for this article. And with the draft dashboard, you, know, you can go through, you can enter the picks as they're happening, and then the tool will respond and give you all different kinds of information. So you can see the players who are available at different positions. You can see their ADP. You can see their Rotoviz tier, you know, where uh, the staff has put them. Uh, you can see your personal weighted preferences to help you decide uh, what, what positions you need to go at at different times in the draft. You can see the positional breakdowns by team. So you can see uh, what other teams are doing uh, all in, in one helpful chart there so you know if you're getting ready to make a pick say at uh, you know 409 or 510 or something like that you've got a couple people in between you and you want to quickly see what uh, decision they're going to make and one of the things that is is helpful here is that most drafts you don't have eight hours to make your pick you know you, you can't sit there and, and do a lot of uh, research at that time so having that information quickly uh, is very helpful uh, 
You can also see possible upcoming picks. And one of the great things is that there's a workshop button. So if you're like, well, I don't think that that is how uh, these next seven or eight picks are going to be, you hit the button, see some different scenarios as you go through uh, that, you know, that stretch of selections, again, to help you really decide who you want to pick now, who you want to wait till later. And, and this definitely came up in, in the draft, and, and we'll talk about that. Uh, one of the things the, the tool gives is panic picks as well so if you're getting down to your last you know five ten seconds on the clock uh the tool will give you some great picks that you can make uh to make sure you're really saved in that situation so yeah going through the draft we we have some great uh pieces of information that we can use to, to help make these picks yeah dave's done a phenomenal job this offseason and uh you know earlier in the offseason and i think it was one of the episodes of road of his radio i jumped on with him we'd done a kind of it was when we were testing it was kind of i guess we'll call it in the beta stage of the app and uh, i had a lot of fun going along with him doing the the draft and then obviously the episode you've done a couple of weeks ago and I, I would highly recommend anyone that hasn't to go back and check it out because it really gives even more information about the app in particular and if you are trying to get on board at road of his and get on the apps if you aren't already a member we can set you up with a 30 percent discount to an nfl pass through the podcast page that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast that subscription will give you unlimited access to all of our nfl content and tools and best of all it helps support the pod so you get all those apps wrapped up there and we also save you the 30 percent discount so don't miss out on that it is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast so looking at round one and let's jump straight into it uh, pick number nine was where you were on the board and uh, i've talked to you before you know i've talked to you about the tiers your first tier you mentioned you have seven players in it so you're picking at number nine how likely did you think it was gonna be a shot that you got one of them at number nine and then at number nine did any of them fall to you i know who you've picked but let let's let the listeners in right so at number nine it gets a little bit tricky because i have uh, seven or eight guys in my top tier really seven plus eight in that i know ezekiel elliott is going to go in that mix i don't have him up there but he'll push a guy down to me Really sitting here, worst case scenario, I think that I'm going to be choosing between Julio Jones, who obviously not only the most athletic wide receiver in the NFL, but someone who can get you 12 to 1400 yards like clockwork, uh, or Saquon Barkley, who may immediately be the best athlete at running back in the entire NFL. Obviously, he's got a little bit of work to do to show that he would be anywhere near a Julio Jones kind of level, but the hype definitely seems warranted. So when you're looking at trying to decide between those two picks, that's that's not the worst case scenario when, uh, when you're not in great position. This year is a little bit more uh, balanced in that first round. Uh, one of the great things, one of the very exciting things about 2018 is that we finally have enough stars so that if you're outside of those top two or three picks, you don't feel like you're already well behind starting the season. Fortunately, uh, a player who's in the mix to be my number two overall, DeAndre Hopkins, fell to me at number nine. Uh, there is a real mix of number one positive characteristics and then scenarios where uh, he could really move forward even off of the numbers that he posted in 2015 and 2017. On the flip side of that, there are some concerns. And so we've got a great article coming out uh, by Ben Battle tomorrow. And Ben won our Scott Fishbowl contest. And it is going to be an excellent addition to the writing staff. So anyone who's considering Hopkins, I, I would definitely encourage you to look uh, perhaps at the negative side as well. Make sure you look for, for Ben's article and, and read through the arguments there. Yeah, there's so many uh, players on that top. You, know, you mentioned you have seven. The tier is... Uh fascinating to start it off this year just if you could trade you know you, this is the order that that first round went in we had Gurley, brown bell johnson 
Beckham, Elliot, Jones, Kamara, Hopkins, then we had Barkley, Keaton Allen, and Melvin Garden. So really and truly, all those picks, I, I don't really have uh, any issue with um, what the players involved. You'd expect all the right players to be going off the board at the start. Uh, and like you, you went with Hopkins. I would have went with uh, one of the wide receiving options. And even then, if I hadn't got Hopkins, I probably would have bounced to Keaton Allen after that. So it's a, it's a fascinating uh, first round. Very, very solid overall. And then when we look into the second round, and, you know, it's just uh, pick 16 so you don't have a long way to wait but the early second round was Leonard Fournette Kareem Hunt and then Michael Thomas and uh, your selection you went with uh, Gronkowski and uh, you know a lot of people talk about you know tight ends going early going in the people talking about like I've seen Sigmund talking about him going in the late first round and then you've got him here in the second round so what was your thoughts uh, and taking Gronk at this point and was there any other players that you were you know thinking about grabbing or what did one of them manage to go ahead with Gronkowski he provides you such an advantage at the tight end position and if you don't get one of these top tight ends i definitely recommend waiting which is what almost everyone in the league has done um, however with gronkowski you are getting the really the built-in points the biggest concern you have with him and and obviously the question is is how much of his injuries can we really count on continuing and how much is, has been bad luck because when he plays he plays at the level of a number one wide receiver and to get those points into your lineup that that gives you such an advantage at a position that you can't otherwise fill and we talk so much about contingency based drafting or scenario based drafting and one of the reasons to load up at the other positions is because that gives you exposure to the big upside maybe of uh, a running back who jumps from running back nine to running back two. And all of a sudden you see a big difference then in points per game, but you can accomplish that by drafting uh, the right types of players. And we talk about that a lot on the show and a lot on the site throughout your draft. And you can gain exposure to that outside of some of these top couple of rounds where you really can't at the running position, but partly it's just how many points Gronkowski scores. You know, he's got six, seven seasons, where he's averaged 17 or more points, which again, I mean, you're talking about elite running back numbers. Now, not your top couple of guys, not your Gurley, not your Bell, not your David Johnson, but you're talking about very strong running back numbers, very strong wide receiver numbers in a tight end. And someone who has done it for so long, there's not a lot of doubt in terms of can he or can't he do it. And then this year with Gronk, you also have the situation where right now we're seeing guys like Rex Burkhead and Chris Hogan go, you know, four or five, six rounds earlier than they would have gone just a couple of weeks ago. Well, that makes sense because suddenly the opportunity is there for them to have much more volume than they would have had previously. But when you draft Rob Gronkowski, you can get that same benefit of having access to really this extraordinary upside volume, but at the same basic ADP that you would have had to pay before. And so I think that's the both the safest and uh, the most league-winning type of way to play the volume that is going to be in that new england offense yeah and i'm going to touch on uh, rex barkhead a little bit later on in the show but when you mentioned gronk and you mentioned the scenario going on in new england at the moment there's just so much uh, uncertainty at the wide receiver position so i think you know with gronk what he gets in this red zone uh, kind of domination i think it's a smart pick there some of the other players i might have looked at at that point then are you know Devontae adams and stefan diggs the other player uh, and it depends if you're looking to go running back uh, dalvin cook went off the board just after you but Devontae freeman is one that interests me there because obviously with the draft app you would have seen the likelihood of freeman or mccaffrey getting back would have been uh, unlikely but uh, i think a smart choice was to go with gronkowski there 
So I mentioned earlier in the show, I wanted to tease the opportunity for the listeners to get those uh, free $35 entries into FFPC leagues, courtesy of uh, our good friends over at the FFPC. Uh, for this week, if you rate and review the Rotoviz Overtime feed, the individual feed over there on iTunes, you have the opportunity to win yourself one. But this week, we're not giving away one opportunity. We're giving away two opportunities. The other one is for retweeting the link to this episode on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast handle, which is at Rotoviz Overtime. Make sure you're following the channel. There are two ways in which you can win yourself a free $35 entry ahead of next week because after the end of next week, they'll be wrapping up a lot of the leagues over there to make sure they're finished up uh, before the start of the NFL season. So I want to let you know about the FFPC. As I mentioned, our title sponsors here on the show, they are the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2017 draft season is in full swing and uh, the FFPC has a format to suit everybody's needs over there and everybody's budget as well. Whether it's best ball, super flex, classic managed leagues, our dynasty leagues all those are there to set you up and they start from just 35 dollars the uh, I, I highly recommend checking out the ffpc just the, the amount of leagues that they've gone, gone on over there if you want to get one set up we're actually drafting at the moment in the listener leagues and we have uh, three leagues that are running at the minute with the draft and then i'm involved in two of them so it's it's interesting to get to, to mix it up with some of the listeners and of course with some of the great team here at rotoviz as well you can also check out the FFPC main event. It's in its 11th season, and it's also the biggest season-long tournament in fantasy football. You can go to Las Vegas for the three-day weekend, or you can do the live draft and festivities online. It just depends which way suits you. You can play for $250,000 grand prize and over $2.2 million in total prizes. And the main thing out of all these things is fantasy immortality. So head on over and check out the FFPC. That is myffpc.com. And don't miss out on your opportunities to win the two uh, entries into the FFPC leagues, courtesy of us at Rotoviz Overtime. So round three, pick 33. Um, you know, you so far off the board, you have gone wide receiver and tight end. Uh, at this stage, were you looking uh, again to the app to see what was coming around the corner? Because, you know, looking at previous drafts and looking at how this draft turned out, kind of three and four are opportunities to get solid picks. And then after that, it becomes quite difficult, quite quick. So what was your thoughts at this point in the draft? I think there are two main things here. The first thing is that if you are going to draft running backs early, I think you should go ahead and get them uh, in the first two rounds. There are a lot of exciting guys at the very top. Obviously, you've got the superstars. And then that second round, you have guys like Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, people who, you know, if you were told a year from now that they're going to be drafted in the six, seven, eight range, I don't think anybody would be surprised. So you've got some very, very high upside picks. And if you're Going to draft at running back, that's what I recommend you do. One of the principles of zero running back has always been based on this idea of the top running back picks score so many important points. Now, they can also get hurt, which you know certainly crushes your team, as anybody who had uh, David Johnson last year knows. However, when they do hit, they give you such an advantage. And what I've always recommended is don't chase those running back points. You know, when we had these seasons where, you know, even running back four or five, six, the expected values for those guys were so low. Don't waste your pick in the second half of the first round on that guy. Don't waste your pick in the second round on that guy. Now we've moved into an era where there are some very exciting picks in that area. And so if you're going to draft running backs, do it there. Once we move into rounds three and four, you see a lot of committee guys. You see a lot of, of rookies. And we've talked a lot about how rookie running backs are actually great values. You should be targeting those players in your fantasy draft, but I strongly prefer targeting them in rounds five and six, as we'll talk about in a minute. 
When we came back to my pick at 309, it was pretty interesting because two of my very favorite players were still, were still sitting there. Now, kind of like you've talked about, this draft has been more wide receiver heavy than maybe what you're seeing in non-expert drafts. However, when Jarvis Landry and Amari Cooper are still on the board at 309, that makes it a very, very difficult pick. Even just a couple of years ago, you know, you would have seen Landry as a potential you know, early to mid second round pick. And then he's coming off a season where he led the NFL in receptions. Landry always gets not for this very low average depth of target and for the type of low upside that people associate with that. But one of the things that we consistently see is that even if your depth of target is not at these extreme depths, that doesn't mean that you can't be a very good fantasy player if, number one, you, know, you can make the catch, number two, you can translate that distance that you do get into yards. And Landry is is very good with that. So he gives you this extremely high floor. And then with Landry, the question is always a matter of if he does play in a better offense, then you know where could he go in that type of environment? Of course, this year with players, or this year with the Browns players, you're you're not in that situation yet. He moves from Miami, a very poor situation, to Cleveland, a potentially worse situation. But it gets interesting in that. The reviews for Tyrod Taylor have been good. The reviews for Baker Mayfield have been spectacular. Potentially, you're going to have solid quarterback play regardless of the direction they go. And then you look at what is happening with the rest of their wide receiver depth chart where they give away Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon. Obviously, everyone is hopeful for him, but there are some questions there. Landry could fall into even a better situation from a target volume perspective in Cleveland than what he's been sitting at in Miami. So then we can use the draft dashboard and then a little bit of logic to try and decide which one of these guys will make it back. Colin, if you're sitting in that spot and you want both Cooper and Landry, how would you go about it here? Which player do you think is going to be taken more often early in an expert type of league? I think in an expert league, you're probably going to see Landry going off the board based on what he's done throughout his career. Amari Cooper, for me personally, somebody who plays dynasty, I think there's always that value attached to him based on that. But last year was such a down year for him. I think particularly in non-expert leagues, I think we'll see him possibly go even lower than the wide receiver 17. But when you just look at what Landry's done, I know you've mentioned that he's moving from Miami to Cleveland but technically it mightn't actually be a worse situation than he was in in Miami and if you look at his four years in the NFL as a rookie that was his worst season in terms of receptions and he had 84 receptions that year so he's 84 111 94 112 so like worst case scenario even if everything gets stinks up with the Browns he's likely to get uh, you know 70 to 80 catches and I would imagine with the way that wide receiver core is shaking out at the minute uh, he's kind of a solid option for me to be in around the 120 target mark uh, for the season and you know he's somebody who does catch touchdowns had nine touchdowns last season so uh, I, I like him there with Cooper uh, the upside has always been there the talent has always been there I think if you're probably looking at the the ultimate upside of both players you'd rather have cooper if you're looking at who maybe is the most athletic you're definitely going to go for cooper but if you're looking in terms of fantasy production and what i expect to happen this year like, like come this time next year i think cooper will probably be going off the board earlier than landry but i think in terms of production this year and what you're going to gain from landry i think he's a, a very very underrated uh, player in terms of uh, drafts would you agree is that kind of what your methodology was when you're going into it it is, and I think that both of these guys were undervalued in this draft. This was a very, very tight draft, as you would expect from the this caliber of expert. Uh, but Landry and Cooper are two guys that I see more as early third-round picks as opposed to late third-round picks. So I didn't really feel like either one of them was going to come back around to me. That would require them to be passed on by six more 
six more picks. So when you're sitting there, you've got two guys, you're toward the turn, but you're definitely not at the edges and you're trying to decide which one of the two that you want. You're going to factor in this, a little bit of this gamble of who's more likely to come back, but also you want to, I think, make your selection based on which player at the end of the draft, you're going to be uh, much more broken up about if he doesn't land on the roster. And certainly going with a tight end in uh, round two, eliminating that wide receiver possibility, knowing that we're going to have to hit some running backs later on to balance out the lack of running backs early, having that safety of Landry there, which also comes with, with upside. I think your upside with Cooper is even a little bit higher. Certainly there are plenty of reasons to believe that he will really bounce back in this uh, improved Gruden offense that the the whole Raider team will take a big step forward. But Landry really provides the foundation you need right there. And so when you're trying to decide upside, who's going to come back or, you know, which player do I most have to have? I think you always want to draft the guy you have to have right there and not risk that the person with a slightly lower ADP will make it back. Landry, you know, ADP suggests would come back to me. I just think that the chances that he would have done that in this particular format were so low that I went ahead and made the pick here. Yeah, you kind of touched on it as well. If you had in the second round, maybe got Michael Thomas, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver start, might have changed things up a little bit. Uh, went for the higher upside player and Amari Cooper, but going, as you mentioned, with the foundation player and Jarvis Landry makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned about the two of those guys being values at that point and expect them to go early in the third round. The wide receivers that did go early in that third round were Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, and then after uh, two running backs, we've seen uh Tyreek Helgo then Alan Robinson went as well before them so I'm quite surprised I know Alan Robinson you know we know what he did a couple of years ago but last year obviously been injured very early on the season before that didn't have a great season so I'm surprised uh, that Alan Robinson went before both of those in this draft and then if I'm looking back to the start of a question for you based on the two wide receivers that went off early in the third round that is uh Larry Fitzgerald at wide receiver 12 and then Thielen at wide receiver 13 Fitzgerald obviously has a lot of uncertainty at quarterback but then with Thielen he is getting uh, you know a new cornerback and Kirk Cousins so you're I, I'm in picture in an upgrade there but again he has to compete with Stefan Diggs who is wide receiver 11 going off the board in that late second round so with your thoughts on them Fitzgerald will likely have an overall larger target share than the two Minnesota wide receivers but what's your thoughts on the breakdown of that whole thing were you surprised that Fitz went as early in this draft as he did and it was Evan Silva took him off the board that first pick of the third round you're definitely betting on that just gigantic target share with Fitzgerald. One of the questions I think you have to ask about him as we get deeper into his career and then you have a, a change again with the coaching staff, you have a change to quarterback, you have this likelihood that they'll switch quarterbacks during the season. So even at his advanced age, you know, 161 targets last year, certainly you it'd be hard pressed to ask for more than that going forward. But I do think that when you draft him that early, you do have some exposure to various types of age risk, various types of offensive shift risks. Certainly you have the big quarterback risks. And so this is an interesting question because you're looking at the volume with Fitzgerald that will be much higher than that for Thielen versus the quarterback safety that you get with the Vikings. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is probably a very average NFL quarterback, but there's a real value to having an NFL quarterback as people who you know have dealt with the DeAndre Hopkins issues in the past people who you know have dealt with some of the things that have happened to, to people like Allen Robinson in the past even people like Larry Fitzgerald I mean Larry during 
you know, of his career had three consecutive seasons between 2012 and 2014, where he was held below a thousand yards. And so much of that dealt with quarterback play. So even with the volume there, I would prefer the safety of the quarterback. And while it will be difficult for him to replicate those numbers, Thielen didn't finish that far behind last season at 143 in the target department, despite having to compete with Stefan Diggs, despite having to compete with Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Diggs obviously missing some games, only 95 targets. I would expect the target gap between those two players to come together and for Diggs to flip into the lead there. So, you know, you can expect Thielen's target share to go down, but also he only caught four touchdowns last year. Is that likely for a player of his caliber when you're talking about a quarterback and offensive upgrade? Not necessarily, but you have exposure to some plus in in that category to where again this early in the draft you know you do want volume but that quarterback competency is such a key for me when you're talking about those early guys which you know again it's all pluses and minuses certainly the the tyrod taylor baker mayfield situation with landry is one of the reasons why he was still available there at 309 couple other players that went in that kind of range Jarek McKinnon uh, you know he's going to have a, a big opportunity there but he's going to have to hold off Matt Breida and if you're listening to the RV32 series uh, we had the one with the San Francisco 49ers recently and there's a lot of uh, publicity around Matt Breida and what he's been able to do so far in camp and his position as the backup running back on the depth chart and then you had Joe Mixon Jordan Howard you know both of those guys in there as well so even if I had been picking at those spots, I might have took McKinnon, but uh, the other two running backs in Mixon and Howard, I still would have rather go the Landry Cooper route over those two guys as well. So I think uh, you get great value at the end of that third round. So when we're looking at the fourth round, we're at uh, round four, pick 40. Uh, it's getting interesting here. This is the stage where I talked about where it starts to get a little bit darker. It gets a little bit more murky as to who you're going to take. And it really comes down to then how people value players as to how, who's going to fall to you. So looking at your rankings and tiers and using the apps and, you know, Rotoviz, uh, you know, the visuals to, to explain to the listeners, how was the board looking at this point for you? Well, after Cooper goes, you have a big tier break. And so we're, we're suddenly into a group of players that has either a lot greater risk or much lower upside, you know, both serious issues, obviously, from a fantasy perspective. So one of the things I did here was bring up the tool, look at the detailed tier breakdown that it provides, and look at the percentage of starters yet to be drafted. Here at this point, where I was on the clock at 404, there are only three tier three wide receivers available, where there were six tier three running backs the percentage of starters drafted people still need more wide receivers they still need almost all of their flex players obviously and that's a situation where we can see from that that wide receiver in this format where you have to start three and then you have the flex position becomes so so important and especially with some specific people that i want to target at running back later on because they have this scenario-based upside or you gain exposure to the upside with them i want to go ahead and take another wide receiver here this is a perfect situation where if you're in a normally you've got a 90 second target uh, timer instead of eight hours to make your pick this might be the kind of choice where you quickly are perusing the dashboard's panic picks and we're looking here in round three the panic picks that come up are juju smith schuster brandon cooks ronald jones lamar miller and jordan reed now Obviously, we're not interested in Reed at this level already having filled tight end, but some of those other guys are interesting. We have Smith-Schuster, we have Cooks, 
in Cooks, you've got a guy changing teams. In Smith-Schuster, you've got a clear number two target and someone who maybe has some unsustainable peripherals that really fueled his performance last year. Jones, you've got you know perhaps our favorite non-Barkley running back. And then Lamar Miller, uh, Court had an excellent article up on him this week for the site. Make sure you check that out. But so when you when you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, and he is the guy I did take. I took the top panic pick here. He's got both breakaway percentages and touchdown rates that aren't sustainable. But the thing with Smith-Schuster, and you look at what his role on the team was, I think these numbers help, again, to illustrate a talent level. Now, there are a couple of different philosophies as it goes to uh, making projections and constructing fantasy rosters. And I'm much more of a big picture kind of drafter in that when you're looking at multiple years and you're looking at the kinds of traits for players that speak to talent level, you know, I want to get the talented guys. I want to get the exposure to upside. So we have all of these different metrics in terms of age and experience adjusted production that help us project which players are going to make the transition between college and the NFL smoothly. And then simply it's the same basic question at the NFL level is who has that elite age and experience adjusted production. And Blair Andrews and I both looked at this uh, using slightly different standards for what constitutes a breakout, slightly different methodologies for evaluating the breakout. And we've both found something that is really very intuitive. And that's that players who break out as rookies have tremendous uh, resumes, have tremendous historical careers compared to all of the other cohorts. So when you're looking at this case, and especially when you're looking at how players project, that second season is really the season that gives you a big gap or a big opportunity where, especially for the players who are good, they tend to be evaluated like veterans. And I hear this all the time from people where they you know, give me these different stats that have some predictiveness. So it's not like they're pulling up stats that are purely descriptive, but they're stats with some predictiveness, but applying them to rookies and saying, okay, well, look at what he did here. You know, this is going to regress. This is going to regress. You know, he doesn't quite match the level of some other player. And that player B is almost always a veteran who we can expect to have much more stable performance. Not that performance is going to be stable. And that's the other thing that people should always keep in mind, but that this young player, this year two player really has that gap between ADP and expectation based on what they did the previous season and what players of that type have historically done. And so again, when you're looking at a player who, you know, Smith Schuster wide receiver 12 last year uh, based on points per game, you know, he outscores AJ Green. He outscores Mike Evans. Now, again, that happened because of specific things on the field that he will not be able to replicate. So that's what people point to when they say, you know, look, there's some danger here and there is some danger there, but he's also a guy scoring that way as a rookie. His future is very, very bright. When you talk about someone who could next year be drafted in the first round, you're looking at Smith Schuster in that category. Yeah, and when you look at Smith Schuster, uh, and you mentioned kind of the discount to second year wide receivers, he is the first second year wide receiver off the board. That is in the fourth round, uh, so it's wide receiver twenty two. And the next one doesn't go 
to uh, the start of the fifth round that's Corey davis and then after that it's wide receiver 41 with cooper cup in the seventh round so uh, there is those discounts involved um you know people saying they can't do it again but it's funny how we look at uh, running backs versus wide receivers people say that the wide receiver isn't likely to produce it based on the efficiency but then you have alvin kamara going running back five in the first round based on efficiency again so like alvin kamara the efficiency mightn't be there this year but i do expect there to be more volume going juju smith schuster's way if you look back to last year he was basically third on the depth chart he wasn't really expected to have a huge impact in that first year and then uh, as the season went on he had more and more of an impact uh, i think it was against the colts that they had a, that monster monster game so there's a couple of interesting things to read into there and for the listeners uh that won't know me and sean uh, had the notes come back and forth as the draft was going on and i actually had mentioned about if i didn't go landry or cooper at that spot in the third round juju smith schuster would certainly have been an option there so he came back around and uh, obviously that makes it a really really solid value there and then after you picked uh, matt Harmon had a nice pick getting that third tier or the third wide receiver and that kind of top tier elite tier and that was zach Ertz. so uh, a nice a nice portion there for him so when we look at what you've done through those first four rounds and uh, we'll be just might touch on this again in next week's show we have hopkins gronkowski landry and then we also have Juju smith schuster so i think uh, you know if i was drafting i'd be very very happy with that i tend not to go the tight end route but at that point in the draft with what was available i think it was a very smart choice and then it obviously gives you the freedom as the draft goes on you won't have to reach to get that tight end because with those three off the board and a little bit later than normal uh, in the fourth round that last one going to matt Harmon. but if you're looking then after it there's starting to be some reaching around the seventh round there's uh five tight ends went off the board in the seventh round so people kind of start to panic so i think that, that provides you that safety and there'll be some values that'll pop up later in the draft because of that yeah so i i've had a a lot of chance to talk today participating in this draft so we want to see what cullum would have done or to get his take on uh some of the picks that stand out the most to him so we're going to go a little bit rapid fire with him here uh make him really go out there and 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 make some tricky picks so first of all we want to start with what do you see as the biggest surprise so far in this draft uh surprise Uh, my surprises are probably going to fall into values and it's you know you mentioned the rookie running backs and uh, darius geis uh, he went off the board running back 17 in the fourth round and He's going to have to compete with uh, Chris Thompson this year, who's obviously coming off the injury. I think we brought Chris Thompson up on either the first show or the second show, but he's somebody who, like, I just love the pass catch and running backs. I know it's somebody who you favor as well. And I think that he is going to be a, a huge problem this year for guys. And we've seen last year the running backs, uh, you know, behind that offensive line in Washington did have uh, some issues. So my biggest surprise is probably him going as the running back 17. Where, and I think it probably is the value he's going, but it's just somebody who I wouldn't. Uh, be targeting at all of my drafts at that current adp and then when we look at chris thompson he went off the board as rb 37 so i think there's a, a huge uh, differentiation and value there um you know he's going off the board in the mid eighth round so you're getting a four round discount and getting somebody who's likely uh, we talked as well on um the first show but the value of you know pass catching attempts and pass attempts and receptions versus running back at or running attempts rushing attempts so i think that there's a big differentiation there in that value i think um, that is an area which surprised me the differentiation in those two guys and guys has gotten some some very good publicity in training camp this year for his pass catch ability we've been a little more skeptical at rotaviz because his numbers do not necessarily suggest that blair had an excellent article looking at backfield dominator rating showing that ronald jones and darius guys even though they were similarly used if you look at the surface numbers uh, as receivers in college and were not used much at all that jones actually 
played a much bigger role. So that's yet another concern there. But certainly the perhaps reason for optimism, Ronald Jones taken uh, by Josh in the next round. So he vacuumed up both of those rookie running backs, which again, big picture, we love. All right, Colin, what was the best value in this draft? Looking at values and, um, you know, we're looking at wide receivers and who you were talking about, like, you know, the potential for running backs. I know we try and target running backs who could have that opportunity to have a, a role coming from behind the starter and breaking in and getting, you know, upside from that perspective, like a Chris Thompson. But if you're looking at the wide receiver situation, uh, you know, in both Dallas and uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know that's something that we have on the docket to discuss before the season starts, but Marquise Lee went off the board at the wide receiver 47 and based on his production last year and what we've seen with him uh, over the last couple of seasons i think that's an enormous value going in the ninth round so i think he's just completely forgotten about it. i know there's dante moncrief there there's dd westbrook you know there's a lot to go on it's a it's a murky situation but i think if you look at it he has to be the clear-cut wide receiver one on that team uh, i've talked this off season as well about uh, austin safari and jenkins and how i like him at the tight end position as a value but i think marquise league going at the wide receiver 47 in the ninth round is uh, taking it a little bit too far and the other player i mentioned there is alan hearns uh, wide receiver 56 going in the 10th round so i think just uh, both of those guys you know if things I, I don't think there's a, a big stretch to say that things could break right for them uh, and they both could have 100 targets this season so i think there's huge value between those two guys and just touching on players i've talked about this season uh, marquis goodwin I've mentioned on Twitter over the last couple of weeks, maybe the, the publicity that he's getting is getting too high, but this was one of the first drafts where I seen him go ahead of his cohort and Pierre Garçon. So it was wide receiver 33 and wide receiver 35. So uh, Garçon might start to become a value in the next couple of weeks. So just keep an eye on where his ADP ends up. Yeah, and, and Marquise Lee, he's always one of my personal favorites, someone I get in virtually every draft. So even though he went as a later wide receiver, I was certainly disappointed that he did not make it back to me in the 10th round there. Uh, it is a congested depth chart, as he mentioned. Moncrief seems to be already digging a huge hole, so that would uh, potentially open up some more total targets for Lee, even though not a lot of overlap in their actual role as receivers on the offense. Uh, conversely, the, the buzz for Keelan Cole, who had a fantastic finish to last season and, and should be buzzworthy, has, has been there. So maybe those balance themselves out. All right, final question. Which player do you see as the biggest trap so far in the draft? Yeah, this is another guy that you know got a lot of hype based on his move this offseason, Sammy Watkins. He was obviously with uh, the the Rams. I was about to say the Lambs, but he was with the Rams uh, last offseason and uh, after being with the Bills. And he went off the board at wide receiver 26. And we all think that the, the quarterback could potentially be an upgrade there, but he's only going into his second season. We have to take these things with a little bit of patience as well. So Sammy Watkins is wide receiver 26, uh, first pick off that fourth, or sorry, last pick of that fourth round. And when you look at in the third round, the fifth pick was uh, tight Rick Hill then the seventh pick was Travis Kelsey so unless we think that uh, we're going to have a second year quarterback come in and it is absolutely possible that it happens but to have three uh, you know wide receivers or pass catchers in the top four rounds and been able to sustain those values so you know if he's going to finish at that wide receiver 26 value unless you think that he's going to you know take Tyreek Hill's place and switch things up I, I really don't see a way of sustaining all three of them so we have wide receiver 14 wide receiver 26 and tight end two all on the Kansas City Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes do you think there's an opportunity for those guys to all hit that value or the Chiefs going to be the highest scoring team and the history of the NFL and then obviously as well we didn't I didn't even touch on this Kareem Hunt uh you know going that uh second pick off the second round at running back nine so you know the Chiefs I, I know the Chiefs could put up points this year but is this getting out of hand well certainly I think this is the most exciting 
Chiefs season that we're about to enter since Dick Vermeil retired in 2005. Uh, probably can't be the highest scoring team in NFL history. And it certainly brings <laughs> up an interesting question because if all three of those guys are valued like they're being valued and those values are remotely accurate, then we should definitely see Mahomes going early in drafts as well. I also think the situation in Los Angeles is interesting because Brandon Cooks is another potential trap player really traded away from the saints because he had problems with the volume he was getting there uh, traded away from the patriots because of concerns about contract but the disconnect there again i think is how much of a target hog he can be in the offense and you know what that's worth in terms of salary so going to a situation where robert woods and cooper cup are both again you know having excellent off seasons and have established themselves as somewhat high uh, target share people again within this context now of having to split three ways they had to split last year the difference between cooks and watkins in that offense and then how watkins could be different as he goes to kansas city and faces potentially a more difficult depth chart where arguably travis kelsey and tyree kill uh you know at least in terms of adp at least on the the face of things would appear to be uh, even more difficult people to jump ahead of. I think both of those rosters and depth charts are very interesting from a fantasy perspective as it relates to the the big names in Brandon Cooks and and Sammy Watkins. But you know, I, I can certainly understand drafting them. I wish that Watkins had come back around to me because a year from now, if we're sitting and saying, okay, Tyreek Hill was really the trap player, you know, he's not exactly a one-trick pony because he's used both deep and on screens, but maybe less in that traditional wide receiver role. You know, if, if we come back a year from now and Sammy Watkins was the wide receiver five, wide receiver six on the season, and most of that was taken out of Travis Kelsey, was taken out of Tyree Kill, then uh, that will look like a great pick. And while it's unlikely, I certainly don't think that's impossible for someone of Watkins' talent, especially the talent that uh, he was demonstrating before the more recent injury. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know if you look at the talent coming into the NFL, if we're looking at that, obviously we'd have Watkins over Hill, but based on then what they've done uh, over the last couple of years, it uh, makes sense to have Hill ahead of him. And you know that's two picks I've uh, kind of said that Evan Silva took. Uh, so obviously uh, that's me. Uh, you know I'm done for the season. My teams are going to be absolute trash. But uh, when you look at it as well, and you mentioned you know that's why the apps are so good. You know Dave Cabin has the projection machine, and you know you can go through it and put them in because a lot of people just say, oh Sammy Watkins is going to do this, and Tyree Kill is going to do that, Travis Kelsey. But when you put them all in can that offense sustain what's been expected so it's going to be interesting and you know if it is flip-flopped and sammy watkins does i produce tyree kill i won't be as tall surprised at that but there are two players at the moment that i'm kind of avoiding uh, drafting at this particular point of the off season so i think it was uh, a great run through the teams and i, I really enjoyed going through it uh, sean anything else you want to head on before we wrap things up no just uh, keep drafting we're we're doing that we're into to round 11 here the more drafts that you do the more ready you will be for your big drafts and consider what's happening in in this draft here where the quarterbacks didn't didn't go at all and so all of a sudden you have uh, that six seven round range is almost barren compared to what you normally see that's a, a good lesson in terms of preparing for what might happen in your draft but also a good sign or a good indication of the extra value you can get waiting on quarterback uh, we knew now have seven quarterbacks picked but mahomes is still on the board again if those other players are the value then he is a screaming value 
don't be scared off by uncertainty. You want exposure to wide range of outcomes players. That's how you win fantasy leagues unless you can be absolutely perfect in your projections. And some people's projections are fantastic. So we'll definitely allow them to keep picking their guys too. Uh, absolutely fantastic just a little bit of tip there sean uh, on the drafting strategy can't agree more with you there and uh, obviously i mentioned this is based on part one part two will be coming out uh, later this week so make sure uh, you check that out and for anyone that wants to see how the draft went in total uh, i'll take a screenshot of it and i'll put it up in the description to this podcast on road of his radio so you'll be able to check that out as well i mentioned at the start of the show two opportunities this week to win yourself those 35 dollars entries into the ffpc leagues and you can either hit itunes or you can give us the the retweet on twitter at rotoviz overtime make sure you're following the account so there's two opportunities do both do us a solid favor help us here as the podcast continues to grow and uh, thanks for all the positive feedback over the first couple of weeks so that's going to do it for today's show it's rotoviz overtime it's brought to you by the ffpc my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime Ireland. my co-host today is mr sean siegel who you can follow on twitter at ff underscore contrarian and until the next time have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.